Welcome to Tuesdays at 10. This is Carl Treacher. I'm again joined by James Carter as we look at some tips to succeed from NASA while we're social distancing, talk about the imminent return to work out of lockdown, and hear from one of Australia's best leadership consultants, Dan Umfrey from Lead Positive. James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carl. It sounds like we've got an interesting show. I love a bit of space talk. Let's go astronauts. <laughs> you want to start there? Yeah, let's, where, where did you want to start? Well, look, it's a, it's a collection of astronauts that looked into how they stayed positive, happy and balanced uh, while they were on missions. And some of those missions went for a very long time, in fact, years. So some of the tips that they came up with, uh, some people, organisations are already embracing and others are worth certainly worth consideration. I've read many, many articles this week uh, suggesting that we're all entering a, a realm of regression. You know, the excitement and the panic is over of um, the pandemic being new and how do we shift and whilst that's you know devastating for many there's a level of heightened energy that comes with it which can be a bit exciting let's see it seems to have waned so we're now in a spot where we're regressing and what that means is people are starting to lose energy uh, lose their sense of focus um, purpose having trouble making decisions wondering if they're doing the right thing, the big questions about their life and what they're doing in their life creep in. And it's very um, unsettling for, for, for people. So I thought these tips coming out of NASA were great in terms of a, a short-term remedy um, for those. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, NASA know a lot, don't they? Um, and they've certainly got the space to get some ideas out. <laughs> Boy, that's terrible. So on to the uh, the tips we've got. One of the first one is the first ones is staying confident. Yeah, don't let doubt creep in, and and doubt is probably at the heart of this regression, this mass regression that a lot of the population's um, experiencing. So, what can you do to stay confident? And that's remembering a lot of your wins, a lot of the successes that you've had, what's brought you success in in your life, and remembering that. It's not luck. It's really the the um, combination of your skills and the environments that you've put yourself in and the direction and commitment that you've taken that's actually led to success. So staying confident, regardless of what your situation is, is one of the key tips out of NASA. Another one is keep a mission mindset and set up some short missions, so small goals so it doesn't become overwhelming for you. James, have you got any short missions that you're on? Um, look, I, I've had a few. Um, we've had the kids at home like a lot of people have. Um my son and I uh, had a little project. He's quite into gaming. He's 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 young-ish, um, but I wanted him to understand how a computer works. So we we did a little project that I've always wanted to do, never done, which was to build a build a computer, and that was that was kind of fun. And and he certainly enjoyed learning how to do it, and also now enjoys using it. So that's quite good. It's funny you talk about this from NASA. We we've actually. Uh, one of the other things that, uh, like a lot of people we've been doing, is, is watching some TV. And uh, we just started watching a show called Alone, which um, has been running, I think it's their third series now. They send 10 people to Patagonia, and the person that survives in the wild the longest wins. And they all go into this, uh, they all go into this environment feeling like they've got the answer. Like, so someone's going, well, I know I've just got to keep my energy levels high by reducing what I do and not doing much and there's other people going oh, well I've got amazing survival skills and I can trap animals and I can do all this so I'm going to be great and other people are going and talking about the psychology I've got to stay positive I've got to have a PMA um, and and we're, we're mm. getting to the tail end of the show now and there's three people left and one of the interesting 
of the things I realized watching that last night is the three people that are left are the three people that have been very task orientated, have made themselves a really beautiful mm. kind of place to live and have not been mm. attacking this like a game show kind of challenge because it, it is essentially, you know, you've got to overcome the wilderness and the wild. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to stay mentally strong. Um, and you've got to be there for a really long time. And they're just coming into winter now. And uh, yeah, I think that's, I think it's that. For, and look, there's different types of people that need different things. But I think for people who have a certain creative outlet that need, um, need to be, as you say, we, you know, that micro tasks and winning something each day or each mm. couple of days and staying focused it works really well so when i said do you have any uh you know if you had any short missions you went said yeah you've gone from gaming with your 10 year old to actual absolute survival that you watched on television yeah i mean i probably i probably won't feel much of a sense of uh, achievement when i finish the tv show i i'm but i am mm. quite enjoying the content not really an achievement watching a show is it i mean no but it is it is kind of um i've learned something obviously i've learned something that i've been able to add to this podcast to make it very interesting for all our listeners have you <laughs> to be to be to be confirmed okay so look one of the other tips one of the other tips that came out of nasa which is actually something that will add value to this podcast is um minimizing distractions you know, finding yourself you know, distracted while you're in an environment that isn't necessarily set up for the task that you are um, engaged in. Um, the other one is using humour. And I saw that uh, thing on Facebook this week around, um, you know, uh, should you should you not do a podcast? And I couldn't help but think of us. Yeah, it's very good. And they start slow, don't they? And it looks like every other um, pandemic kind of commitment to self and then it's like whatever you do don't do a podcast no no but i think it's fair uh, to say this wasn't a this wasn't an off-the-cuff decision just brought about by corona i mean we've been we've been planning this for some time well we have planned it for two years we just haven't had the the bandwidth to actually do it um look i might wind us up in that article that article is actually accessible uh, on forbes it's a it's written by ruth gottian who's a success expert she does tremendous work um, I've studied some of her work when she was, uh, I think she was analysing work in service environments and um, adult learning environments as well. So she, it's a great article on Forbes. Have a little look if you want more information on that. I thoroughly recommend it. We did talk to Dan Umfrey from uh, Lead Positive this week as well. Now, D, D, Dan is a global leadership expert and he's been we've been working with him in, in the Brand Institute family for many years across some big brands. He does terrific work both on an individual level with executive leaders um, but he's also very strong in, in the field of resilience and the impact of increasing demands on leaders today so we had a chat with Dan and this is uh, what he had to say so Dan welcome to the show morning Carl how are you I'm well how are you yeah things are good things are good look I'm really interested to get your perspective I know we've got a long history working together but you spend day in day out with corporate leaders uh, both in their mindset and the way that they're operationally leading you know what's your experience right now with them yeah it's an interesting time isn't it I think you know resilience is 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 the key term right now and leaders are really orienting around that and have their own experiences of that and I'm sure your listeners will, will will resonate with them i guess for me if i if i can put it in context carl i think the research is really interesting right now from the quantum guys the australia scan 
they talked a lot around that that statement and and uh, i get you to reflect on this but that statement of these days life seems to be getting out of control and i really need to do do something or see a change to get back to uh what makes me happy mm. um, and 20 years ago, 17% agreed with that. Now it's over 30%. So these are really good data points to help us understand that actually resiliency is not getting stronger. In fact, it's going the reverse. And I think I'm experiencing that with my clients. Uh, and, 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 and that's certainly been our experiences, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, no, like I, I agree. I don't think anything changes. You know, the, the reality is humans have, hate uncertainty. Ambiguity is something that's very unsettling for, for everyone. And right now we've got multiple areas of confusion, absolute decreased visibility in terms of what's coming. So people's anxiety and, and their ability to feel you know, comfortable or in control is um, certainly diminished. You know, what, what are you seeing leaders do to, to combat that or to help you know, their people get a better handle on it and feel a bit more um, at home? Yeah, I've, I certainly, my experience with, with clients is that they're on the front foot in getting information out there. Um, I've run a number of, um, hosted a, a number of town halls and webinars and, and sessions with groups to, to really help think about that, contextualize that in their experience, you know, peer-based uh, conversations does exactly what you've just described where there's uncertainty you know we're wired for connection and so by having that connection in relationship particularly at a peer group level is a powerful example of ways in which we can just share our experiences and in a cathartic way in many ways it's just it's just what's really going on for us in, in, in a way that you know just dispels any of those myths of competition or you know or, or, or any of those challenging factors that we ordinarily see in an organization we've got to kind of pull it back to really the the human experience that is um, you know, really working through that and, and, and identifying strategies around that. So that, that, that's certainly in, in its primary sense. But for me, I think my experience of between different clients, I think is, you know, I, I really, I really do stand by that statement around, you know, the strongest adapt and adapt quickly. And I think from an adaptability point of view, organizations that are, are really noticing and identifying that and, and, and preempting some of these things, seem to be the ones that, that move quicker in my experience. There's a massive psychological play in, in this, isn't there? You know, that, that, I built, that ability to adapt, to experience vulnerability and to feel comfortable with it and not try and, you know, react or panic. You know, I think that's one of the things that we've seen very clearly is that those can sit with that level of discomfort and make the, the, the right strong strategic decision instead of, you know, panicking and looking for an, a way out that may fill the gap or may not in the short term, but will be, you know, very poor, um, I think, moving forward. What about traps, traps for leaders? You know, any mistakes or, or common areas of danger that you see leaders, you know, w walking into at this time? Yeah, look, I think, I think most people are adapting well. And I think, you know, this notion of creating safety, the term of psychological safety, which is really born out of the, the Google research and Project Aristotle, if you, is that really how do I bring my full self to work and how do I feel trusted and trusting of the environment that I'm in and, and I have a relationship with that? And leaders have really been challenged about how to, how to bring that to, to the environment. So a lot, why don't we finish by talking about some of the opportunities that you've identified that you've seen uh, currently through this process. There's a whole lot of things going on uh, for all of us, but are there any you know, top three or something like that in terms of opportunities for leaders to make their mark, to support their people and, and, and help their business stay, um, stay afloat? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, I think in, in my capacity as an executive coach, uh, 
a number of my clients are really experiencing now is really getting that fine balance between uh, being sympathetic to people's situations. Everybody's got a unique situation, whether it's childcare at home or elderly parents elsewhere and you know, lots of difficult things and trying to be sympathetic to that, but equally setting the tone for the work that's required. And I think what I'm really noticing is the basics really coming out. You know, I think it's about how do I lead the conversations? You know, asking questions, really supportive, uh, good, high quality coaching, as, as, as we would know, and really setting clear role, you know, be really clear about the role. When we talk about purpose, we might not have long term purpose, we might have lost sight of that more immediately. So, you know, being really clear about what, are the, what is your role and what are the goals that we can really be clear on. So it helps set the boundaries. And, and as I said, you know, really reinforcing that as leaders and role modeling that, setting the tone, being really clear about expectations. Because uh, sometimes when we oversympathize, we tend to dip in and we tend to help others. And sometimes we take stuff away from them. And for me, rescuing is a, is, a very, is a very dangerous place to be in. And I think that's where leaders have got to find that really threshold about where's where's the right level of support but where's the right level of challenge too and, and getting that right clear roles goals set the tone for me is is critical to that as always dan terrific to have you on the on the program and to catch up thanks for your time really insightful and um until next time thank you carl have a great day so that was dan umfrey from lead positive also part of the brand institute family talking about social connection and how leaders can build their teams and, and maintain continuity and positivity through this period um, coming out of lock lockdown and moving back into the workplace is proving to be very difficult for a lot of companies right now james i understand you've had a little look at that yourself yeah, look, I've I've spoken to a few clients this week um, that are, um, the, and I and I asked them how how are you how are you planning to get back to work? So one of our one of our clients is a tech company. They recently listed on the ASX, and um, they at the beginning of this um, realised they were going to have to go remote. They sent all their um, staff home. They took their desktops with them, and and they got they all got set up, and they've actually found it a very productive experience i mean i suppose it very much depends on the type of business you're you're running but they found it very productive being at home and working in that way and um and i said also you know schools went back yesterday um everybody's i feel most of the people i'm talking to are sort of chomping at the bit to get back to normal even though we're probably a long way from normal um but there is there is a lot of discussion about going back to work and they had quite an interesting or the CEO there had quite an interesting um, viewpoint on it. And, and, and that was about the damage to pro productivity in going back. Um, so there was a big um, everything to, to, to get remote. There was a lot of things they had to do and, you know, things got disrupted during that period. And now they've got it all settled, disrupting it all and going back into the workplace, apart from the kind of all the things you have to do as an organization to have a workforce in a in a in an office again um the other big one for them is the potential danger of someone going down with illness and losing a workforce for two weeks in isolation um you know i think it's a it's a difficult thing for a business right now to try and return to normal um and and make those decisions yeah, and so I'll just summarise what you said in uh, in ten words. It's very difficult for organisations to now refocus to ensure business continuity as they get back into the swing of it. Would that be safe to say it's a relatively accurate summary, James? I think that's a very accurate summary. Although, due to some internet issues, I didn't hear every word you said. 
<laughs> so one of the other things that I know larger organisations are doing at the moment is working out how to return to work within the restrictions and also reimagine their workspace. How do we come to work? Why do we come to work? What are the tasks? How does that culture need to change? It's enormous. It's a massive, massive subject for companies right now. Some of the bigger organisations are trying to work out how to get their people into the building in the space of a couple of hours. And in fact, some of them have done modeling that indicates that their people will take between five and eight hours yeah. to get to their desk, which of course begs the question, what are they going to do at their desk? Yeah, it's a, it, it is a, an unprecedented time. Uh, I was talking to someone uh, who works in government and they have a 40 floor building and he said it's just, it's it's manic there. He, there's no chance of them going back. There's only one person allowed in a lift at the time. And if you're on the top floor, you know, it could take hours to get to your desk. And then if you forget something, you know, you know your day's completely gone. And that that is that sort of damage to productivity, damage to, to sort of ongoing. Uh, what I think is really interesting is how the progressive companies and the companies that are taking, doing, you know, tackling this in the right way are going to take learnings from what they found during this period and and bring that into their, be you know, business as usual kind of um way of working um you mentioned you, you know we were talking earlier and you were talking about the um uh what is the office for like why do we go to the office every day yeah um yeah. And, and i think that's a, a big question that people can start really answering you know do we need to go and sit in an office for eight hours a day yeah and i think uh, i actually don't think but i know there's organizations right now engaging design firms to work out how to reconfigure their organization uh, environmentally how do we work out what people are coming in for and the overwhelming trend from what i can see is that the office won't be a task-based environment until there's a vaccine it's likely to be a place of brief collaboration both for social cultural and also um, innovation principles or uh, opportunity um, that'll be utilised for that and then have to flex after there is a vaccine back to something. And what that something is, I don't think we really know. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the books that I really enjoyed reading when I was starting out my own business was a book um, by the 37 Signals guys. And um, I followed them a bit. And I think the main guy's called Jason Fried, I think. Um, and they wrote a book called Rework, which um, which looked at um, looks at various aspects of them running a, a sort of tech based company they had a they have a um time management and task management tool that's called Basecamp. that's quite um was quite popular i don't know if it still is um but um one of the things they talk about is uh, is, is is they they do a comparison and you probably know a bit about this um professor um they do a comparison in in relation to sleep and work so um the idea that you have different levels of work. So there's light, kind of light work, like when you're just going to sleep. And then as you get into a project, you go into sort of a deep work mode and how a disruption to that deep work mode can, you know, it's not just a five minute break. It's a, you know, it's a the hour it took you to get into deep work mode. You've been pulled out of deep work mode and then you've got to get back into that again. And the actual disruption is much larger than the five minute phone call interruption. And so they implement um, they implement certain times of the day where they just don't answer their phone and don't answer emails. Um, and I think we gain some of that from being in a non office environment. If you've ever worked in a big open plan office, especially um you know, people just drop by your desk all the time and ask you a question and walk over and have a chat. And so actually getting into that deep work headspace is quite, 
is quite challenging. And I think that's for, for a lot of people, the be- one of the benefits of being at home, you can, you know, you can really focus, you can switch off your phone and not check your email and no one's banging into your desk. Now, I think, let me just interrupt you because you are likely to go all day. The, um, the, the next episode next week, we're going to talk more about the workplace. So, because right okay. now it's a topic on, on it in its own. We know that organizations have had a particular focus and have overemphasized open plan for lots of reasons, a lot of it being commercial reasons that they can't, they're at occupancy and they can't afford to put all their people in one place. So, they've had hot desking and agile methodologies in place. Uh, right now, I think there's a microscope on that to say some of that didn't work. You know, spontaneous distraction to which, to which you're speaking of right now is one of those examples. You know, you're trying to be deep in a task. The others are things like um, personal sovereignty or um, public solitude. You know, we work best, even if we're in the public vicinity, within our own space. How do you create that? And now we're actually forced to create that due to hygiene. That's all we've got time for. Thank God. Uh, for Tuesday at 10. Until next week, James, thanks for joining me. Here's the bells. Oh, I love the new bells, Carly. It's, that sounds so real, almost like it's not a computer effect. You'll hear those every time we've had enough of you talking. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Thanks for that. What a great show. Um, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. <laughs>